This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Garlands of Grace and our supporters at Patreon.com. My favorite character in all of the Narnian stories is King Loon of Arkenland. This may seem odd, given that he is only a minor character, and he only appears in one story, and only for a few scenes in the last third of it. Nevertheless, his words, actions, and overall demeanor have had a profound impact on me, one that only increases as I grow older. King Loon is described as, quote, the jolliest, fat, apple-cheeked, twinkling-eyed king you could imagine, end quote. Elsewhere, he is identified as, quote, the kindest-hearted of men, end quote, willing to let go of his anger toward the evil and bombastic Rabadash after Aslan turns the Kalerman prince into a donkey. Loon is a man under authority, gladly embracing the truth that the king's under the law, for it's the law that makes him king. Has no more power to start away from thy crown than any century from his post. He has no pretensions of being the boss, but willingly submits himself to a higher authority. He is a master of propriety intact, able to model appropriate behavior in a wide array of situations. He shows himself to be both a dignified king, who gives Erebus a stately bow and kind words of welcome, and a man who is willing to get his hands dirty cleaning the kennels of his hunting dogs. He is a valiant and capable warrior, defeating the Tarkhan Azru in hand-to-hand combat, yet he is also tender-hearted and merciful, unwilling to execute traitors in cold blood, even those who would have gladly murdered every male within his walls, down to the baby that was born yesterday. He is thick-skinned and stable, not prone to rage or fits maintaining his composure and sense of decorum even when grossly insulted by Rabadash in his court. He even rebukes his lords for allowing themselves to be provoked and shaken by the taunt of a pajok. Moreover, he chastises his youngest son for mocking the defeated and imprisoned prince, saying, Never taunt a man save when he is stronger than you, then as you please. In other words, even mockery has its proper place, provided you are the sole faithful prophet on the mountain, surrounded by 400 prophets of Baal who are making fools of themselves before their false gods. Beyond his faithful wisdom and tact as king, Loon is a remarkable father, modeling the right mix of toughness and tenderness for his boys. As we've seen, he's willing to rebuke his son on occasion and teach him what it means to be a man. He chides Corrin for his disobedience, even though he is genuinely proud of him for his bravery and valor in battle. Just as important, if not more so, is his evident and manifest delight in his sons. When he sees them, his face lights up and he holds out his arms to greet them. His face notably brightens with fatherly pride when he hears how Shasta courageously rescued Erevis from the lion. And when it is revealed that Shasta is in fact Kor, the king's oldest son, the young fatherless boy finds himself suddenly embraced in a bear-like hug by King Loon and kissed on both cheeks. In short, King Loon beautifully shows what it means to be an affectionate father who is well-pleased with his beloved sons, so much so that even after a few days with him, Shasta can say, Father's an absolute brick. I'd be just as pleased, or very nearly, at finding he's my father even if he wasn't king. King Loon is thus a fitting representative of Aslan's ideal kingship. Excerpt from Live Like a Narnian, Christian Discipleship in Lewis's Chronicles by Joe Rigney. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bright Hearth. Brian, what are we talking about today? Well, we are continuing here in Season 2, talking about marriage as the heart of the productive Christian household. And since uh, in Episode 3, we talked about unfussy wives... I feel like we might be picking on the wives if we didn't actually then talk about sturdy husbands. So we're going to talk about kind of some corresponding things for men and uh, being uh, the kind of husband who's not easily knocked over. 
that might still annoy some wives. <laughs> true, that's true. Let me let me preface this, ladies, because I know we have a lot of ladies who are listening. This is not an episode that we hope that you will now become discontent with your husbands and <laughs> and fuss at them or give them the cold shoulder and be like, well, you know, in Brighthearth it says. No, please don't do that. To... Stop listening to us if you're doing that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that to your husband. He will not appreciate. Uh, he will not appreciate it. But for the husbands that are listening, and, and a, lo- a lot of this as well, because we're raising sons, many of you are also in the same boat, raising sons. And so really we wanted to talk through one of the things that I probably most commonly tell young men, young married men, especially in counseling. And also um, I talk to my boys about this quite a bit, in discipline scenarios and things like that. And basically what we're talking about is husbands being a wall. Husbands being a wall. Husbands should be a wall. And, And by that, I mean a wall that his wife and kids can run into without knocking him over. So there's a kind of virtue that I think is is actually analogous to the virtue we were talking about with unfussy wives, wives who are cultivating, you know, the spirit of being easy to please, hard to frustrate, not easily flustered, not fussy or naggy, that kind of thing. Well, I think that men should pursue a corresponding virtue of being difficult to knock over. They should be strong. They should be like an oak tree with deep roots. They should be like a sturdy stone wall or like a seawall that waves of frustration or difficult things or trial or maybe difficult children or um, a wife who's having a difficult day who did not listen to episode three of Bright Hearth <laughs> and is maybe frustrated or flustered or he gets home from work and there's just a lot of difficult there's a lot of emotions in the air. A lot of people are crying, and there are fluids everywhere coming out of noses and eyes. And, you know, what 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 should he bring to the home? He should bring a solidity. He should bring a solidness into the home. And so we're going to talk about this around a few different sort of parts of what I mean by this and how I talk to men in the church. Uh, he should be a wall of protection, protecting physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, etc., he should be a wall of self-control and ruling his own spirit, not easily pushed around emotionally. And he should be a wall that serves um, as a wall of correction or a wall of protection, we could say, around uh, sin. And we'll get uh, that's probably not the, that's the hardest one to understand. And I'll explain what I mean when we get there. And then we'll end by just a few kind of notes on what this doesn't mean. Um, because I think there's a danger here that people could hear me talk about this, and they could think that we're talking about like men being really cold or like a cold brick wall and blank or um, you know not warm. That's why I read that in- intro from Rigney's book on King Loon, because King Loon is the guy that I think of with, and and Joe Rigney helped me see this uh, in a few places. One of them being live like an Arnia, like live like an Arnian. Um, about how King Loon is is just this, he's a character that doesn't take up a lot of room in The Horse and His Boy in terms of word count, but what we see, what Lewis shows us in King Loon is a father who is kingly, he is obviously in control of himself, and, you know, he he takes the mockery and the jest and the, the, uh, the, what's the word, Rabidash is this fool of a man who's trying to provoke him, and he just chuckles. He, he's like the Lord in this. He's a lordly man. 
And so that's what I'm talking about here. Men should be lordly, hard to push around, and uh, they should be uh, the kind of man that people can run into without knocking over. Does that make sense? Yeah, it reminded me of Chesterton. Mm -hmm. A lot of the ways people describe Chesterton as just being jolly and very, very smart, not easy to push over intellectually, Mm. able to have a good response for... I imagine he was a very solid husband. He was not a father, but... Did they have infertility issues? Yeah, they did. did, But he loved kids. And that was something that was really cool about him is his friends always said that they never let it get them down. Like they were never, never betrayed sadness about it. They just always, any opportunity they found children, they were happily playing and being joyful with them. And I think that takes a lot of self-control to be able to do that. It really does. And that's a great example of what, what I'm, you know, what we're talking about here is just including trial and including difficulty in life. Uh, a man is called to have a certain, he's supposed to be a certain kind of anchor in the home and not be tossed around by every wave. His people should be able to run into him and find a place to hold on to in the storm. So let's talk about this idea of a man being a wall of protection. And, and, and what I mean here is that he should, uh, he should be, even some of the things we talked about in the episode on in season one with Joshua Adams about um, protecting the home, providing physical security for the home. That's a good example of this um, kind of man who orders his life well, what what First Timothy 3, 4, and 5 would talk about as a man who uh, rules his home well. He's going to function as a kind of wall of protection. He's going to be thinking about his home and his marriage and his children uh, in the way that like a lord would think about his kingdom or his castle. So he's going to think, how can I protect my home physically, uh, emotionally, financially, spiritually? And so I guess just question for you, Lexi, first, and I want to ask you a couple different types of these. And the first is just what makes you feel physically safe? When you're home with us. <laughs> when I'm home. I was literally gone for days this week. Yeah, well, but that was a good example of like, there are certain things that you are anticipating and thinking of as a male to protect us that I, I can do what I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even then I'm still just a woman, but also our minds are just different. So you anticipate the future in ways that I don't <laughs> remember even, do you remember on our honeymoon? We didn't have a GPS. So you had to like print out all of the maps to everywhere. Yes. We wanted to go. I do remember Even that. stuff like that. I remember just thinking he's so prepared. <laughs> I would have. Maybe it's your Eagle Scout in you. I, it is this Boy Scout. Maybe model. that's what Be it is. Be prepared. I know the Boy Scouts are gay now, people, but when I was in it, it was much, much less gay. <laughs> because I was in it, of yep. course. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was long enough ago that they, they didn't let girls in yet, which seems like a big thing. Like, <laughs> welcome the to Boy, Boy Scouts. Scouts. Yeah. Okay. Some of us are girls. <laughs> yes, a man should be uh, providing physical protection. I think this is like an obvious one, but it's worth just saying because, you know, I think there's something in the male heart that maybe sometimes women don't understand just the way that men think. We're continually rehearsing or scenarios. I think maybe the other temptation would be that women today can be made to feel bad to not be able to protect themselves. Like I don't need a man oh, to do that. Yeah. I don't need a man financially. I don't need a man physically. I don't need a man emotionally. You do, though. <laughs> you, do. you were created to have a head in every single season of your life. Yes. So you're believing a life if that's, you know. Yes, absolutely. 
What about emotionally? What? How can a husband help his wife feel emotionally safe or provide um, emotional cover? Well, I think this is kind of a roundabout story, but it'll make sense. I remember Amy Laurie from Mountain Housewife saying that women used to be able to be emotionally vulnerable with their husbands because their husbands would not take that information elsewhere. And it was a protection to the wives because their husbands could handle them. They could handle them being women. They could handle them being weepy at times and maybe even overly emotional and absurd and even sinful and all those things. But now we don't have men who, if I remember, this was the observation she was saying, we don't have men who are able to provide that wall of emotional stability Mm -hmm. anymore. So we have women who go on Instagram instead and cry all the time. Yes. Or we, I see this a lot with young girls who are coming into, I guess you could say our culture of Christianity who feel like the women around them aren't being authentic because they're not airing all their dirty laundry. Oh yeah. Or like, you know, maybe I don't have prayer requests necessarily that I show to every woman in the church, Yeah. but I have the elders wives in a text thread that we're texting very regularly. And so I, so I think a husband is sort of a built in, um, buffer against the woman going and acting foolish elsewhere with her emotions. Yeah, that's so true. And such a good example, because whenever I see videos of women weeping on Instagram, filming themselves, talking. And I'm just like, look, you need a husband yeah, who will just tell you, like, this is not how we deal with I think too, our problems. And maybe it's because you and I, we didn't necessarily have social media growing up, but I see it as a really common way for young girls and young wives to put a lot of their a lot of complaints and stuff out there that I often wonder, does your husband know that you're doing this have you asked him if you can complain about these parts of your life like finances and yeah lots of different things that um i just think it's an important thing as women to beware that that's a temptation not not at all to be fake about it at all yeah but to go to the proper channels where you can be authentic and real with your emotions because that person is actually equipped by the lord to help and protect you yes that's that is a good one and i think that relates to Um, you know, what you've talked about in just how to, some of the things you brought up have actually circled another question that I was going to ask you, which is basically, as a wife, how do you think uh, you can encourage a man to be this kind of wall of emotional, physical, financial, spiritual protection for his wife? How can she encourage him in that? I I would tell her to ask him a lot of questions. I wouldn't necessarily say hey, can you do this more, like give directions? But I would ask questions about each of those areas, maybe. And maybe he just hasn't thought of it. Who knows? But you could say to him, I'm trying to think of an example, like, hey, what do you think about ladies that go and share a lot of their marriage issues on social media? Would you be okay with me doing that? Or is that a boundary you'd like me to set? Yeah. Ask questions where he's not having to like... (laughs) proactively go and lead the way necessarily, but you are still allowing room for him to lead. Yeah. I think another thing that really encourages men in general is when the, when a man, when a man's wife praises him for something meaningful, it like that sticks with a guy. 
that really they say i think like one of the jokes is you know ladies in our culture today go around they get like 100 compliments before breakfast especially <laughs> if they're out in the world you know i mean don't mess kids i understand ladies who are <laughs> homemakers your kids aren't giving you 100 compliments before breakfast i don't like this breakfast oh, mommy you're so <laughs> why is my shirt not clean no i mean i mean like you know at college or in, in the, you just yeah. it's really common to hear oh i i was at starbucks at an airport this week out for, at a conference that I was helping with. And the lady in front of me was like, oh, to the barista. She's like, oh, you look so beautiful today, honey. And I was just thinking like a man, like maybe once every six months, someone would be like, bro, you're so jacked. And he'll be like, for the next year, he'll be like, that, what, that guy thought I was jacked. And he'll just, to do a that. man can live on a good compliment for yeah. like a year. So, but this is actually an important thing to note is that ladies, what yeah. that means is that you can... If you notice, for example, that your husband is not prone to hysterics, like he's very stable emotionally, and you say, like, honey, I'm I'm so thankful that you are not in overly emotional, that I know that you can be stable, I can talk to you, I can bring you my difficulties, and you're not going to freak out. You don't get frustrated easily with the kids. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's a really good way I to remember, femininely encourage them. I think Elizabeth Elliot said to her third husband something along the lines of like, I won't bring a lot of things. I won't bring looks. I won't bring intellect, but I can bring gratitude. Oh, that's Because good. she knew what she had lost for so long. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things we just overlook in our spouse because to us it's normal. You know, the good things about our spouse is normal that they blend in the background we just don't see it until you see the opposite in someone else you're like wow i'm really thankful so true you you say that all the time like you encourage me all the time with if we've been in a situation where some someone's where there's just like a lot of immaturity or something and you are very self-controlled so glad you're not unself-controlled or whatever it's so funny because the way people think you are online i'm like The man has never been mad a day in his life, and I'm not kidding you. And he's married to me, so that's saying a lot. Oh, babe. <laughs> See, look, she's modeling it so right cute. now. Look, I'm so We're sharing headphones. It's really we romantic. We, we have to stay so close to each other. We do. It's very romantic. Heavy breathing. Okay, anyway, <laughs> what about financially? I think this is part of a man's role of um, being a wall of protection. It's like, so let me give you a scenario, and then and then I want your input on this. So I was just talking the other week with Eric Kahn, who's a pastoral candidate. A lot of you guys know him from the Kings Hall or Hardman podcast. And he was he was saying like that he's seen this a lot in marriage counseling over the years where the wife would be handling the budget. Oh yeah. And I it was getting like she was just anxious and always anxious about spending and, and he would always encourage the family, like, unless there was some really like she just was so good at it and he just did not understand it for him to take over the budget if if that was an issue to remove the temptation of anxiety so that he could then like he was basically saying husbands you should if your wife is anxious about money you should be saying honey i don't want you to worry about money here's the budget this month for you know clothes for the family and you here's the food budget for the month here's this do you ha- is that going to be enough this month let me know if if you run into an issue but I don't want you to worry about money outside of that. I'm going to pay the rest of the bills. I'm going to make sure stuff's taken care of. He might ask for help here and there. But I think money can be a common temp- uh, place of temptation for wives to feel 
a lot of anxiety. And one way a man might might be a wall, depending on the disposition of his family and his wife, is to manage finances in a more active way. So what what do you think would make you or might make a wife feel financially safe? I think everything you just said is a huge one, is that the wife doesn't have to be in control of the whole budget. But I also think if maybe you guys are just starting out, I could see a scenario where you're just starting out and a husband hasn't necessarily voiced future plans for work, education, savings, finance, financial goals, you know, business things he's thinking of. Maybe they just, maybe he's just not thought to communicate that to her. So she might be thinking in her head, I have to figure out how to feed my family on $25 a week for the foreseeable future when really he might be trying to plot, you know, I just, so I think having ongoing conversation about goals or even like you might even be in a season where you're just like, I'm just being faithful where I am. And that's fine. I'm just being faithful where I am. This is what God has called us to. This is what the season we're in. It's not very much, but he can make a lot of it if we're thankful. So, yeah. So just being like communicating to her that you're not just doing the least amount possible to get by, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, I think it, it would be easy for if you didn't talk about it or if a husband didn't take the lead in proactively communicating and setting yeah. goals, A, it can be hard to actually be disciplined about the budget when you don't see it connected to goals. Like, we're going to pay off debt. We're going to buy a house. Yeah. That, gonna, that helps that me. Thing to stay on budget when I see a goal. If I don't have yeah. a goal, I feel like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? What's even the point? Yes. And and it's a particularly masculine duty to set that chart charted course. For his family, for the legacy, for leaving an inheritance to children's children, it's specifically a duty in Proverbs that's pointed to the man. A man is a, is a, is a good man who leaves his children, his children's children, an inheritance. You know, so... Uh, it, when we got married, I think for the first at least five years, I think it was, we made between twenty and twenty six thousand, twenty seven thousand dollars a year. I will also say I've never known your salary. If someone asked me today, I don't know your salary, and that that has helped me a lot because I've I've never had a category for like I went without when you made X amount. I went without this thing when you made X amount. Mm. I just I always. <laughs> I'm serious, and I've said this so many times. I've always felt like a queen. There's nothing I went without because I just, I didn't ever feel like, I didn't feel like you owed me a certain standard of living mm-hmm. because I just had you and I was happy. And I <laughs> had so books. Sweet. And you had books. We, uh, we do, yeah, we did not make a lot oh. early on, but we were fine. Like the Lord provided. We had our children, we had food, we had a place to live. Our mortgage was $225 a month at that point, and uh, life was good. And uh, so, yeah, financial financial protection as a husband really does. We've talked about this a lot in season one, but sometimes a husband really does need to figure out, like, okay, it's okay that I make $30,000 a year here right now. That's I'm working hard. I'm not being uh, a slacker. I'm not being lazy. But... He, he might recognize, well, we want children. We want to be able to yeah. have a foothold, buy a house. Like, and so, and especially, I know, like, guys, this is crazy. Inflation, probably, I mean, we're talking like 25% inflation year over year may be real in some categories. Like, housing is insane right now. 
they we just got our property tax valuation back and it had risen like 40 percent <laughs> year over year and i've recently had our home appraised for, you know we just had to have it appraised for some different things and it was like uh my appraisal was far lower than the county just valued our house at and uh, I'm going to fight it, but it's like that that's a reality right now. You also have been really good the last couple of years um, about helping me not think in terms of paycheck to paycheck or like waiting to buy X until X time, which, yes, you do have to do that sometimes. But you would always say if it's genuinely something you need, go get it. Don't wait until X amount of time. And it helped me to feel less anxious about things. Yeah. And it also helped me to be realistic about like, well, do, do we really need that right now? That's or right. do we not? So it, it took anxiety off of me, but it mm. also raised my responsibility, if that makes sense. Yes. Because it's like, we're, we're trying not to think about like, can we, and we're trying to think about, should we? Yeah. And you know, if we should, then should we right now? Yeah. Should we right now? <laughs> So those are all parts of being a sturdy man, I think, in financial provision. And uh, I always encourage men, like, have a, pl- have a plan to make more money if you possibly can, especially if you're in a situation where it's, it's, get, it's difficult to – it's beginning to be difficult to provide the basic things uh, in terms of provision for your family like Paul talks about. Um, don't be scared to take a risk. Don't, And I don't mean quit your job and start a business tomorrow, but I mean don't be scared – to do a hard thing that you feel intimidated by, like seeking some training, seeking mentoring, um, starting a thing on the side, like you have permission from the Lord to go and be a glory. Yeah, and, I think and I think a lot hard. of wives would willingly give up some extra time with her husband in order for him to become certified to be able to make more money for their family. And I'm sure yeah. there's lots of guys out there that if they were honest, they probably could make a lot of money if they were willing to... You know, you guys just did a whole episode on this with King's Hall. Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in King's Hall that you might check out on that side. Lastly, a wall of protection spiritually for the family. Um, A man should be taking the lead in providing a cover for his family. And I'm thinking about things like prayer. When you you look at the the, the Lord's Prayer that he encouraged, that he teaches us to pray, it's an Our Father who art in heaven. It's not just a my father, it's an our father kind of prayer. And when you start looking through the categories that he has us pray through, you know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever and ever. Amen. So it's like thinking through that list as a father, what I'm thinking about is how can I be praying for myself and my family, and then on outward into the church and my vocation and different things like that. Father, let your name be hallowed in my home, in my wife, in my children, in my in my church. Um, you know, give us our daily bread, my children, my wife. Like praying on out, uh, I think is an important part when you look at the the full armor of God in the sword, the offensive weapon being the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God in prayer. Um, it's important for a husband to spiritually provide cover for his family as a wall where he would be keeping watch, being watchful in prayer for his family. And, uh, and there are other things as well. What, what, what comes to mind for you about um, what makes you feel spiritually safe or protected? Well, I think 
me knowing that you're going to take my questions seriously, I mm-hmm. think I think a lot of our listeners in regards to women are probably like me. But I know you know I'm studying. And if there's something that we're not necessarily agreeing on, or maybe it's because I don't understand, not that we mm-hmm. don't agree, you understand. I'm going to go figure it out and research it. So you better go figure it out and research it too. Yeah. Because I'm going to submit to you, but mm-hmm. I'm also going to have spent time researching Yes, my half. So I think that's something that's helpful for me is like, I know you take my questions seriously and you're not going to be flippant about it yeah. or just be like, oh, she's a silly girl. But again, part of why I'm I'm willing to go to you with that is because I know you have spent the time and you're probably willing to spend the time if it's something I'm really worried about trying to figure it out or help me figure it out. Yeah, that's a great point because I think you can have this problem where let's say there's a theological issue in the house where a husband and wife are in disagreement over. And it's like, you know, let's say it's head coverings, something like First Corinthians 11. She's read some things. Maybe you've listened to us. You'd be like, I actually maybe, and we're going to talk about this this season, but maybe you think I should wear head covering in in worship or all the time or in some context. And, and uh, let's say that the wife has studied it and she's read and she's looked into it. She's listened to some sermons. She's like, look, I th- I'm pretty convinced of this. And the husband, and she says, okay, Frank, imaginary husband, Frankie boy, that's her pet name for him in this scenario. So it's a sign of respect that she calls him Frankie boy. And uh, she says, look, I'd like you to look into this because I have questions. Paul says, ask your husbands at home, literally. So, uh, Ask your husband, and and let's say that he then neglects his duty. Yeah, and he just kind of gets mad and dismisses her and says like, no, no, that's not what my dad taught me. Or you know, don't no, believe no. everything you read on the ah, internet. Ah, the internet's dumb, <laughs> right? And then doesn't actually do the work, doesn't listen to the sermon, or doesn't read the book or something. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of easy for her to feel spiritually unsafe because now she's conflicted that she knows she's to submit to her husband. But she's developing genuine convictions. Yeah, she has some convictions, so her conscience is troubled. And so he neither needs to come alongside and do the study. And maybe the example would be better if she was wrong, like because I'm actually convinced of head coverings. But let's say that, let's say it's something where she's she might be wrong about it, and she's still pretty convinced. Well, he he really does need to come alongside and help ease her conscience and show her in scripture. Yeah, like no, 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 no. wash her in the word. And then even if it's a genuine disagreement. If he's if he's going to ask her to do something that is contrary to what she thinks is is true on some and I and I don't mean like deny the Trinity I mean some secondary thing like you know maybe it's a private school versus homeschool decision maybe it's something like that and he's really leading in one way he needs to be able to give her the, this spiritual protection where she knows that he's serious about it she knows that he will read the books he will do the work he'll open the Bible. And he will be able to reason from the scriptures. Yeah, because baptizing babies. You don't like that. want to give your wife. You don't want it to become like a. Well, he's just not very smart. He's not willing to look yeah. into that, and so I can't talk to him about that now. Because in some ways, you are fueling that in your wife if you are not willing to lead her in that way. Absolutely, a man is leaving his wife vulnerable to these things. Yeah, and some of them will lead her to places that are unjustified, where now she's sinning against him. And but he's still responsible for making a context, making an environment where it's very easy for her to have those thoughts about him. 
This episode of Bright Hearth is sponsored by Garlands of Grace, which is a wonderful Christian company that offers a variety of very versatile head coverings, head wraps, and headbands for sale for women and girls. They're very versatile. Uh, you know, whether you're head covering for uh, 1 Corinthians 11 reasons or just looking for a pretty and feminine head covering, they've got you covered. Babe, why do we like Garlands of Grace? I really liked Garlands of Grace because when I was first trying to um, recover this call to head cover, I didn't necessarily want something that was super trendy and that everyone else was doing. Um, and I found their pieces really feminine and timeless in a way that uh, just a lot of other coverings that you could pick up at Target or on Amazon just weren't. And they are very quality. And if you are a mom trying to cover in a pew with wiggly children, you know how hard it is to actually keep a head covering on. Yes. And I really like their volumizer brand, uh, bands that are velvet and they stick to your head and I have had no issues with them. So yeah, I really like them. And they're a sister-owned company. Yeah, Christian-owned, sister-owned, and they're all made in the USA. So a great company to support. We would uh, commend you, husbands, if you're listening, go check this out as a thoughtful gift for your wife, or your daughters. They have head wraps for uh, ladies as well as little girls. And they've got a whole lot of different styles, a lot of different beautiful colors, and a really great quality company. So we're glad to have them as a sponsor for this episode of Bright Hearth. And uh, you can support us by supporting them. So head over to garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode, and we hope that you'll give them your support. Yeah, I think too, maybe it's just our relationship but there's been two times I can think of in our marriage where you were like, whoa, whoa, put on the brakes. Let's think about that <laughs> over specific topics. Whisper um, in my ear. Oh, what? No, it's about whisper in my ear. <laughs> no. Off the mic, off the mic, whisper. Come Are on. you serious? Yeah, I want to I know what you're well, talking I'll about. Well, I'll say one of them. Okay. It was when I was following the Fitzpatricks really closely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Antinomians. Yeah, so that was one of them. <laughs> Um, the other one wasn't necessarily a theological thing, but it was somebody that I was reading. I really respect that they have dabbled in the past in anthroposophy. Oh yeah, I remember. And that. y'all, anthroposophy, theosophy, theosophy. Yeah, don't go there. It's bad. Don't I mean, go it's bad there. Stuff. And you weren't like, saying, no, I'm an no, anthroposophist. No, 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 no. Just to be clear, I was asking you questions about right, it because about it. I didn't understand it. I was like, Lewis argued with all of his friends about this. But th- those are the only two times that I can remember you giving me very clear warnings. Yeah. And I was thankful because I was like, well, I respect you. You don't tell me to hold up super often. <laughs> whoa, so- <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's easier for a wife to to submit to him in that. Yeah. If she just knows that he's a thinking man. And it's not that he's yes. like a theological nerd. No. Not every man is going to be like that, but that he is a, a mature spiritual man, that he cares about the truth, that he will come to convictions and lead his home. And that's yeah. why even in our church, when when there's disagree, maybe a family's like might disagree with some doctrine or other in the church, and that's totally fine. People, ha- There's a range within our church on many issues. But let's say that there's – I am not even worried about it. If I know that the husband is engaged, and yeah. he's a godly man, he's leading yeah. his home, and and it shows in the family, it's like, yeah, we'll sort that stuff out, yeah. you know, over time. I'm glad to see a man, even if it's something he disagrees with me about. Maybe it's like they're amillennial, not postmillennial, and it's but it's like he's reading, he's doing the work, he's a thoughtful amillennialist or you know whatever else, and I say God bless you. 
Yeah. Let's talk about it maybe, but God bless you. So then then that was really one of the meatier sections here because I think it's at the heart of what I'm talking about with being a sturdy husband, being a wall. Um, but the next one is that he should be not just a wall of protection physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, et cetera, but also just a wall of self-control, meaning that he's he's not the man that's, like the Proverbs warns against, that is a, a man without self-control, is like a city without walls, which is easily broken into, easily plundered. Um, a man needs to be in, in control and rule over his own spirit, and that means that a godly husband is not easily annoyed or made angry. If you are very easily annoyed or made angry, you're not a wall. You can be tipped over. If your wife had a, has a bad day and you come home from work and she's frustrated with the kids, maybe she's short with you, and you just immediately get so annoyed and angry and fire up, and you're just like all of, you're you're instantly to an eight or nine or a, a ten. You're raising your voice, these kinds of things really quickly. Uh, you're you're telling you like, "Well, stop being a naggy." You're immediately just like going to the rebuke and the. Um, you're not a wall. You're not being a sturdy husband. Um, a man needs to be in in rule of his own spirit. This is why elders are not cannot be given to fits of rage, because it's a it is a masculine polarity sin to be given to fits of rage. So this is one of the sins that men commonly struggle with. Women can too, doesn't mean they can't, just like women can struggle with lust, and many women do. More and more looking at pornography, you know, week by week, year by year in our degenerate age, but um, just like more men struggle with lust in a more direct way, more men tend to struggle with anger and unrighteous anger. And so a man needs to be a sturdy man, he needs to be a wall, and this genuinely means that other people can be sinning around him and it doesn't easily provoke him to sin. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking, was if if he is proactively leading in all these ways, the rebuke and correction should be very, very minimum. Yes. Yeah, it should be like, man, and this is tough. Again, like this is one of those areas where uh, we, we, have, we have kids, there's kids playing in the backyard all the time, there's fights to break out, there's kids sin. Um, young kids don't have self-control developed yet, so they're emotionally unstable. <laughs> they just, and kids, different kids are different, but I mean, all kids, when they're younger and they're growing up, they generally haven't learned how to regulate and control their own emotions yet. And so one thing that means is that being a parent means you're going to be in frustrating situations daily. Yeah, and I think too, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but like when when the mom is home, sometimes it's hard like kids really do act different when just mom is around versus mom and dad is around. Um, and so there've been times when it's been so helpful for you to just give me very clear, uh, boundaries, I guess, like yeah. either, no, you cannot let them act that way. There uh -huh. needs to be a consequence or like for my own behavior, like, no, you can't act that way either. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. because it's, because I guess like if, if mom is left to her own emotions and there's no, leadership from dad in that way at least I find myself questioning like what is too far what isn't far enough mm -hmm. and so then I'm kind of like vacillating a lot instead of knowing these are my husband's clear boundaries 
These are the rules for a house that dad has set. This is what I'm enforcing. So I could see if, if a husband isn't able to do that, like Mm -hmm. lead proactively in that way, that a wife could just be left on her own to the emotions, every whim of emotion that she has instead of like, no, my husband says it's unacceptable for a mother to act this way. So I don't act that way. Yes. (laughs) And if a man isn't in charge of his own spirit, he can't come in and provide that stability. That's what, yeah, that's the next thing I was going to say. He just can't do that. It's, it means more to me when you tell me something like that, because I'm like, he's serious and I see him be serious about it every day. So, I mean, one one thing for men, and, and this is actually one of the things that I think women do wrestle with, and maybe you can correct me on this, but do wrestle with, and um, they do have to try and do this as well. But I think men, the way that we, we handle this, like dealing with your own emotions, not being pushed around easily when people are sitting around you, not getting easily frustrated or annoyed, is that a man needs to kind of be able to go into his heart and turn off his emotions in a certain way. Like he needs to be able to go in and kind of detach himself from the situation and say, no, I'm going to remain totally calm. Like I'm just going to be a still mountain lake before the (laughs) tempest of kid emotions or whatever. And in some ways, I think ladies might not understand this exact kind of masculine ability. It's an ability, I think, that goes with like combat, where men can I go into combat. It, I and think like, it's more of the one track mind. Yes. That's what I think it is, because it's not that I don't want to. It's that if I go to that one place and focus all my energy on, this is going to sound so sinful ahead. of me, no. but like spending the next hour being a self controlled dealing with this discipline issue, that means dinner's going to be late. Laundry's not mm-hmm. folded, bath times and be so that's that's where it's like the the difference between the one track versus I don't even it's, think yeah. multitasking is real, but it's I just the reality mean. of like I have the whole household in my background also. Yeah. And so that's why I think it is important for mothers to be self controlled in understanding the person is the most important Yes. The dealing with the heart of the person is the most important task you could be doing in that moment. To your point of like, that's why it's helpful for a husband to be able to come in and say calmly, I know there's a lot going on. What I want you to do in this situation is this. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Like it doesn't matter if I come home and the house isn't picked up. Exactly. If the kids were spanked and are happy now because they were spanked, I will be. That's the most important. But if they're not spanked, you need a spanking and the house is a mess and dinner's late. Well, then we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, he needs to have the self-controlled emotional sort of stability, being an emotional wall where he's not easily pushed around. And then he needs to give his wife that gift of a one-track mind, basically giving her permission and marching orders to say, here is the triage. This is the most important thing to me as your husband. It's I want my kids to be well loved, well disciplined, and and not for them to run you over because you're distracted and trying to get important things, but they're not as important as my as the kids and them not you know being hellions. So yeah. a wall of self control is really foundational to all this. We could have put that first, but I wanted to unpack more of the what I practically meant. So yeah, he needs to rule his own spirit, not be easily annoyed pushed around. The last aspect of this is the one that I think is maybe the hardest to understand when I said it up front is that he's he's a wall of correction 
Um, walls are corrective in the sense that walls tell you don't go here, stay here. So a wall is can sometimes be so important that it's like there is a there's a wall or a, a fence at the edge of big popular tourist areas of like the Grand Canyon that say don't go past here or you could die. So a husband needs to cultivate in his marriage and his in his family. Uh, the capability of being a wall in the right places that if people run into them, they receive correction. So a uh, husband is required is is the head of his family, is the head of his wife, and he is act- he actually has a duty to help his wife grow in her sanctification, not just children. So that means that he has a duty to help his wife when she's caught in a sin or a trespass, to repent of that sin or a trespass. It's like Galatians 6.1, you are spiritual. When anyone's caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Well, a husband, if if that's a duty we have to all of our brothers and sisters, how much more, mm-hmm. an off fortiori argument, how much more um, does a husband have that duty towards his wife? He's in this position of headship and responsibility to give an account for the state of his home. So that means that when a, a wife is dealing with like, Maybe she just has had a naggy spirit for the last three months. Maybe it's been a tough season, and she's giving in into pity parties. Maybe she's been really disrespectful to him. Maybe she there's been some issue in the home. A husband needs to be a wall in the sense that she needs to be able to feel if she's running into an area of sin in her life repeatedly, where he's actually going to love her enough to say, "Honey, let's sit down, not in front of kids. I'm in not in a harsh or overbearing way. I'm not talking about wife spanking, which I think is stupid. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> talking about just for the record. I'm going to head off all of the tweets that people okay. are going to be like, Brian thinks that he should be a wall and he should spank his wife. No, 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 no. Let my brother and sister in Christ. Let me let me be fully transparent with you. Please do not spank your wife and then say I told you to because I did not. In fact, I'm telling you right now, don't don't do that. She is an adult. So what I'm talking about though is being able to calmly, lovingly, gently, patiently, keeping watch on yourself, correct your wife in her sin. She needs this from you. You you were genuinely given by God in your marriage to do this. So you need to be able to demonstrate it like it's an actual sin. It's not just you being annoyed about something. But when she's caught in an actual sin because you love her, and you love her house, and uh, you, you love your kids, you need to be able to correct her. So um, this is a gentle conversation. It's direct, it's private, it is calling a, a person to sin and restoration and repentance and the throne room of mercy and grace. It's done with an attitude of love and care, and it's not done in a manipulative way or a way where it's like you're trying to get revenge for your wife sinning and making your life hard or something or frustrating you. It's, it's not about you, it's about your wife being in fellowship with God, and then it's for you by not being about you first. So what... What are your thoughts on on that whole subject? Have you? I'm not asking you to be like, oh yeah, I, I sin like this all the time, and Brian corrects me because that's really not the case. But I mean, <laughs> what do you, what do you think about that? How well, can we be thinking about? I this? guess I've I had a few things come to mind. I have had husbands reach out to me before where they're like, hey, I'm concerned about my wife. These are the people she's following. These are the things she's listening to. This is what she's watching. You know, what do you think about that? And in, in some ways, I'm like, well, why have, why are you talking to me about this? <laughs> yeah, I know, you're like, talk to your elders. <laughs> or just talk to your wife. <laughs> or like, your wife. Yeah, like, or literally my brother in Christ. <laughs> talk to your wife. Like, don't be scared. I, I know it takes, especially in today's culture, I know it takes courage to be able to do this. But if your wife 
is humble and you're, I mean, hopefully she's trying to grow in humility and being teachable and being a Christian woman. And you should be praying for her to want to be those things as well. That even if it sucks to have that conversation for the first time, maybe you're 15, 20 years in your marriage and you've never done this, she will eventually thank you for it. Yeah. Or be grateful that you're even willing to do it. I think the way you've helped make it so that we don't have to have this conversation um, very often is that we often talk about keeping short accounts. Yeah. So I kind of know if I've overstepped my boundaries, if I've sinned against somebody, let's use biblical language here. If I've overstepped my boundaries, that's gay. Um, <laughs> You're so based. If I have sinned against somebody, it's way better for me to take care of it much more quickly without my husband needing to remind me to repent to the child. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? So that's mm-hmm. really helped, I think, just general culture in our family. Yeah, when you... There's no such thing as an authority without a responsibility and, and an actual authority to discipline. So when a husband's bringing discipline in his home, I mean this in, even in a generic sense of like discipline to his wife, like where he's saying... I love you. You've you've run into this wall of sin, and you've run into it. It's it's happening repeatedly. It's like not just every time you sin, I'm gonna immediately bring it up. He's actually that's an act of love, and it's an act of headship and authority in the home. If you say the husband's the head, and he has no authority to correct, you're actually saying he's not the head. He doesn't actually have uh, he doesn't actually have that responsibility if he has no corresponding authority at all. So he has to. This is the same as a pastor. It's saying like a pastor who doesn't have the authority to correct sin in the church or to bring discipline in the church. Well, then he wouldn't actually be an authority in the church at all. But he is an authority, and so he does have uh, he does have this responsibility and authority, and so he does have the authority to bring correction. So just like a pastor is going to... Everybody wants to jump... This is why I brought up the wife spanking thing. Every time you talk about a husband correcting his wife, people think you're talking about that. I'm no more talking about that than I'm talking about an elder or a pastor spanking members of the congregation <laughs> when he brings discipline. It's like, no, no, no. There are other... The rod of discipline is a real rod in the Proverbs, and it's also a symbol for um, actual correction. In the, the ecclesial sphere, the keys of the kingdom are the symbol of authority. In the civil sphere, the sword is. In the home, it's the rod. And so I'm, I'm again, not saying that you physically need to correct your wife with a spanking spoon or anything like that. I'm just saying you're actually loving and helping her by protecting her from her own sin, praying for her, restoring her to fellowship with you and with the kids. And the downside is if you don't do this, it's like we all know the trope of the old, the like, you know, let's say like older couple whose kids return for Christmas. Everyone hates coming back because the the mom is super controlling and sinful, husband's super passive, the patriarch's super passive, and and so nobody likes being there, and the husband just abdicated, and he's just like wants to be away from his wife as much as possible. It's because he's never been willing for forty years or fifty years to correct his wife. Yeah. And so everybody else either has to try to correct her or to just avoid her. So ladies don't want to become that. You don't want to be an ice queen. No, unless you're unregenerate and you have yeah you have false uh, affections. Yes. So. This final duty is very important in marriage is that a husband needs to understand that it is his responsibility to um, be a wall around uh, to protect his family from sin by lovingly leading and restoring them to fellowship when they sin, 
and even to do that for his wife, and that she's this is a this is actually a part of his love for her, and it's it to be done gently and humbly and uh, with keeping a watch on his own soul as he does so. A husband can even, um, if his wife is unrepentantly sinning, bring her to the church. He, he can. He can, just as we've said before, that if a husband is being harsh with his wife, not listening to her, and beating her or doing something sinful, that there are other authorities that can be appealed to. If it's criminal, that he, she can lawfully appeal to civil authorities. If it's spiritual abuse or if it's a sin, sin that's maybe not a crime, she can appeal to the elders of the church, and that's not sinning at all. And it's not... Um, it, it's perfectly consistent with submission to do so as well. So it's, it's the same kind of thing going on here. A husband has those tools to love and lead his family, and he should do that in love. So lastly, and we'll end with this, this none of this means that he's cold or unfeeling. Like being a wall doesn't mean like he's not tender and soft. No, he should be joy, jovial, joyful, kind, tender-hearted, you know, playing with the kids, laughing with the kids, smiling at his wife, when I say a wall, some people think I mean emotionally distant. Well, that's what I was going to say is as you were talking in the beginning, I was thinking about how none of this works if the husband is not cheerful. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think two things can go a really long way in kids and a wife respecting a husband in this way is um, cheerfulness. And I wouldn't necessarily say generosity because that just automatically we think of money, but like thoughtfulness. Yeah. So that you understand, like, even when he is coming to you, he's thoughtful in 99 other ways. So the one time he has to come to you to correct you or, you know, he has a concern about something, you can trust he's also being thoughtful there. He's not being thoughtless. He's Mm -hmm. not being rash. But a husband really has to be proactively doing that in a lot of other ways, too. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And lastly, it doesn't mean that he is always the problem just because he's taking responsibility for being a wall, being self-controlled. Some things genuinely are other people's fault in his in his home when things go wrong. Like there are wives who divorce their husbands unbiblically. There are children who rebel. And just because something is his responsibility doesn't mean it's his fault. So we're not saying just if you do everything right, everything will go well. We're just saying this is these are your duties before God. You obey them in faith and trust that the Lord will bless and trust him even if there's trial involved in that. He's still good, and he's still for you. Anything, any last thoughts before no, we wrap think, up? No, I think you covered a lot of good things. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Bright Heart. Thanks to Garlands of Grace for being sponsor of this episode. Again, check uh, check out garlandsofgrace.com for some modest and uh, beautiful, really lovely feminine attire there, and uh, we'd commend them to you. But thanks for listening in. May the Lord bless you and keep you in your household and cause you to bear much fruit through your union with Christ. And we hope to catch you next time on Bright Hearth.